Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of Billy West Live. Uh, as always, just a pleasure to welcome Dr. Greg Granger of Northwestern State University to the program. Greg, so many things to talk about. Uh, the events of the day and just in the front of the news are the uh, search warrant issued at Mar-a-Lago, um, Trump and his defiance, his asking for a special master. The judge seems to be waiting to make a decision on that issue, at least today. Maybe by the time this airs tomorrow, we may have a decision. But just give me your thoughts in general. How, how are you digesting what's happened in the last 60 or 90 days with the FBI, mm-hmm. the the history of what they've tried to, to communicate with former president about, and then what's happened today. I'd, I'd like your thoughts on all well, this. Well, I appreciate that. It's always good to be with you, Billy. And uh, this is, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a disturbing time in my view. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate any of this has to happen. Um, my worry is that not enough people are taking it as seriously as I think it really needs to be. Um, my How I'm handling this, how I'm reacting to it is trying to be patient, to be honest, uh, just trying to tell people that these things take time, uh, that there's going to be leaks, there's going to be a kind of a drib drab of information, and we just have to kind of take it easy and watch it. At the same time, there's quite a bit we do know now, and none of it is very encouraging. I think it's quite disturbing, and I believe it should be disturbing to Mr. Trump and his friends and his lawyers and people like that, because I really believe this is coming down on him, and I don't see any excuse for what what has happened, not the degree to it, uh, the, the scale and the scope of the documents, uh, the, where they were found, um, every, everything else. This is, this is a very serious matter. And in particular, as we're seeing the, the top secret, uh, as, as they say, the SCI, the Special Compartmentalized Information, I've been keeping my eye out for one designation in particular called RD, which is Restricted Data, and that is limited to nuclear issues. I have not seen that yet, but we haven't seen all the blacked out affidavit and such, so we'll see, see where that goes. Um, but even without that, just having the top secret SCI materials is, is like I said, just disturbing and criminal, quite honestly. Well, this is your specialty. You, you teach about security issues, talk about national security issues mm-hmm. daily, you, you, certainly on our program regularly, but you're oftentimes a writer and opinion giver about these kinds of issues. I don't know anybody better to talk about these things. The, the disturbing part to me was the, the, the human intelligence mm-hmm. references that do seem to be listed on some of these documents, and therefore our allies, how, how does this quell or squelch our ability for other people to trust our intelligence community mm-hmm. when this seems to be so haphazardly uh, cared for? Well, you know, it comes at a time we, we're, we're uh, I guess, marking the one-year anniversary of us pulling out of Afghanistan. We talked about that, the good, the bad, and the ugly about it. Um, but it's things like that that can add to a questioning of how much can the United States be trusted. Uh, even if we were living up to our word in pulling out, and we did so based on our interests. At the same time, this is a, a perennial question. It's like Mr. Biden, the president, says about um, some European leader when he said America is back. He says, yeah, but for how long? And I think this is another part of that. Leaders of the world saying, well, there are top secret uh, materials in a drawer somewhere where people going in and out. We're very concerned about that. But then you've got the the on-the-ground people, uh, some of them American agents, some of them people we have cultivated over usually a long period of time. And uh, we now have to safe vouch. We have to take care of these people uh, because they could be at risk. Now, 
again, very few people know the details of what's behind those black lines and, and what evidence they've gathered. So again, we have to be sort of patient with this. So it could be there's not an imminent crisis that boils out of this, but at the same time, there are people that are very nervous about this. CIA agents, the, uh, the leadership, the NSA, um, you know, and, and of course the people we rely on in uh, and, 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 our, and our partners and allies in Mossad, for example. And, and the MI6. Israelis have to be the most nervous, I would think. Well, I think they already were, were. I mean, if you remember, one of the first things Mr. Trump did as president was, was release some confidential information about Israeli op- operations to the Russians. And uh, that kind of thing doesn't keep our friends very loyal. We have to watch that, you know? It's interesting you say that because that, that was just fixed to ask you the question because it's in my reading kind of between the lines of those guys, the Israelis seem to be the ones that are most nervous about his playing footsie with the Saudis, too. Mm-hmm. So that obviously has to make the Israelis and the Mossad nervous. Well, Israel, you know, is in an interesting position for itself. It's made progress with some of its neighbors, and that was an accomplishment under the Trump administration to some degree, the uh, Abraham Accords and such. But it doesn't mean these people are friends. I mean, Iran and, excuse me, Israel and Saudi Arabia have in common uh, the enemy of Iran, but that doesn't mean they don't have tension between themselves as well uh, and within their size as well. So, um, again, we're just going to have to wait and see where this goes. I would think there are a lot of spies around the world who are very nervous. Very nervous, uh, right yes. now. But it's sad, but it's what we're dealing with uh, daily. Uh, switching gears, thank you so much for your comments about mm-hmm. that, those issues because at the forefront of the news every day. Sure. Uh, the Ukraine war um, – the disturbing issues with respect to the nuclear facility. Mm. Your comments in general about where we are in the Ukraine war, is this going to be a two, three-year war, or what are we looking at? Um, Well, I think definitely, you know, we're we're looking at, I would say, another year for sure. Um, The nuclear plant issue is is very concerning. Um, It's good that we we're trying to get International Atomic Energy Agency uh, inspectors there, but there's only so much they could do under such conditions and in such a short period of time. Um, we know that Putin, we, we talked about this earlier in the summer, and it's just worse now because the Ukrainians are making real inroads into South and Eastern Ukraine. They really are pushing the Russians back. And they're being, they're remaining very clever about this. Uh, they're, they're using some very fundamental tricks that are uh, making the Russians use up a lot of their uh, artillery and are wasting a lot of it. And that's fine with the Ukrainians and, and those who support them. But um, in terms of headlines, I, I think the nuclear plant issue is the big one, but the rest is the human suffering, the, the, the dragging out of this conflict, the remaining uncertainty of uh, what Mr. Putin's going to do. Uh, on the news this morning, we found out that the uh, CEO of the uh, second largest oil company in um, mm-hmm. And Russia has fallen out of a window in Somebody Moscow. Killed him. Yeah. The windows are very unsafe in <laughs> Moscow. You have to watch that, apparently, um, because he criticized the war and uh, spoke sympathy about the, the victims of war, and they just couldn't allow that. So that kind of desperation just shows that Sad. we have to we have to be very careful. At the same time, it's clear uh, that the West, and in particular the United States, but also our new NATO allies and our Eastern European and even the Germans are really stepping up even more on almost a, a weekly or monthly basis in terms of what we're supplying to them. And it's gotten more lethal, more accurate, more long-range, uh, more strategic. And uh, I think more uh, aircraft will probably be shipped in and uh, obviously other um, artillery. Uh, but 
that doesn't mean there's going to be a resolution to this. Right. As long as Putin is alive and well, I don't see him negotiating. It, and so I'm afraid the suffering is going to continue. Um, but there's going to be some gains. I mean, you know, Crimea is in play. It's, it's amazing. Interesting. You know, I asked in March um, if you thought this invasion of Ukraine could be Russia's second Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. It may be moving in that direction with the Ukrainian uh, aggression and gains in the southeast continue. And we see grain moving out of Ukraine right, now. Right. So those are really interesting things as far as commerce and the economy. Right. And uh, we're seeing the Russians simply having continued and even worse supply problems. Right. Um, you know, just a few minutes ago, I saw a video of uh, an armed, uh, armored personnel carrier that the Russians filled with hundreds of mines to move into the battle, and they ran over a mine. <laughs> and the whole thing blew up tremendously. And mm. I feel for the poor privates and corporals who are driving that thing and riding in it because they're not there voluntarily. Um, but at the same time, as you said, it's showing that Russia as a superpower uh, is a very thinly veiled weak power, you know, to we, be honest, except certainly, for the nuclear angle. Well, I was going to say, other than the fact that they have all the nuclear Which is weapons, important. <laughs> well, it's the most important thing, obviously. But we've learned that they're actually inept. Uh, and, uh, right. the, the great Russian military power is not what uh, the West certainly thought it Not was. in terms of conventional state-to-state warfare. Interesting sure. stuff. It's always great to get your thoughts. Uh, kind of similar but a little bit different vein, Mikhail Gorbachev dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, uh, a really transformative figure in geopolitics. Get your thoughts just in general on sure. uh, the things that he provided. I asked you before, you know, the, the glasnost, perestroika, the, mm-hmm. the things that he brought to the table that seemed to really um, change fundamentally Russia and the, the demise of the Soviet Union. But your thoughts in general about what type of leader he was uh, on the world stage? Well, um, he was, you know, he is and remains a popular figure in the West in particular, not so much at home and in some of the Eastern European countries um, where he did initially crack down on protests and, and people were killed and there was some damage done. But if we look at the historical, like you say, geopolitical picture, it's really a moment in time that comes very rarely because uh, if you remember, we had Chernyanko, then we had Andropov, we, who got the Soviets into uh, – into Afghanistan or Antropov and Chernyanko, but it, these old guys just couldn't manage it anymore. Then suddenly comes this 54-year-old. His wife's an academic. She's got a circle of friends who's helped promoting Mikhail to, to power, and he rises to the top at the same time that Ronald Reagan is looking for a partner for nuclear um, arms control, a really unprecedented arms control. I'm kind of having a debate with a friend from Berlin who's saying that Gorbachev uh, – you know, offered us, we could have disarmed completely. Right. And my view is that simply would not have happened. Nobody uh, offered it. He offered it, which is yeah. revolutionary. Right. And it could have cost his life, you know, back home, to be honest. Right. Um, but I, I think that the INF Treaty, the START Treaty, uh, Conventional Forces in Europe Treaty that were negotiated in a Reagan, Bush, Clinton, uh, but began under Reagan and Gorbachev, truly were unprecedented and revolutionary and, in terms of arms control. And I think he was the right person at the right time. Uh, with the right partner. And, As was and, Ronald and, Reagan. And, and right? Exactly. That's I believe so. And, yeah. and believe me, I've got a lot of problems with uh, with the Reagan administration like I do most administrations. But I have always focused on the arms control aspect of it. And there's this is just a unique period of time of great success in cutting the nuclear weapons in half and the numbers of uh, 
unprecedented verification measures, inspections that we had in Russia that they had over here. Nothing like that was possible before. And of course, now it's, it's really disintegrating and all falling apart. But for quite a long time, uh, these were model treaties that um, I think are going to be studied for for a long time to come. And the hardliners in Russia are obviously back in control. Mm, uh, right. The Gorbachev uh, bunch was, was, is out of favor now. Putin obviously is the, the yeah. auto- autocrat who's running the show again. You know, talk a little bit about the change within Russia. Obviously, Gorbachev dying is not going to change the no. domestic politics in Russia. But how does that affect Putin at all? No, and, if, and Gorbachev himself had you know what we might consider questionable views on Ukraine and things like that. I mean, he came from the Russian mold, but. What we saw in the 1990s, first, you know, under under Yeltsin and then uh, first under Gorbachev in the 80s and then under Yeltsin in the 90s was a country really adrift. And um, we really weren't sure. We had hopes that Russia might turn more democratic. But uh, so people, you know, the, the times got hard and people like Putin were able to rise to the top, take advantage of it, play this strong nationalist card and consolidate power. And this is the results. This is what we have now. Uh, they don't want cha- we don't want chaos in Russia, but it seems like the pendulum in Russia swings really fast all the way to the other side without a whole lot of moderation. And, uh, and I think that's what's happened under Putin. And honestly, we don't even know very much about what's going to come next. So that's a little disturbing. It's sort of like the Iraq situation when we got rid of Saddam. <laughs> that's right. What next? What, it's always what the next? big question. It's always what's uh, next. <laughs> always great to get your thoughts, Dr. Greg Granger, as we follow the the Trump uh, issue and the search warrant issue and the judge with the special master request. We'll have you back on in the next few weeks to talk about these. These are disturbing issues. Uh, for all Americans should be concerned, no matter what the result of, of this hearing sure. is, all Americans should be interested in these issues and get educated by you. Dr. Greg Granger, <laughs> always great to have you on the show. Dr. Greg Granger has been our guest on Billy West Live.